If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Monica's local connections and her voice on her radio show, coupled with Lovely's tenacity and community support, was a recipe for success. The two of them were on a mission to get justice, and nothing was going to stop them. And so, you know, once again, we got to the end of a rope. We got to the end of the rope. We can only do so much public outcry, I think. When they fired Jody O'Gwen, the first police chief, they thought maybe we'd go away. And I was like, that's not good enough. They're not admitting he had injuries. We can't let his legacy be. He was just drunk and ran off into the abyss and died because it's a college town. We're all drunk every day and we're all drunk in the winter. Nobody's dead. It doesn't, And we're not beat to death. Monica used to say in the beginning, I see the walls crumbling down, tumbling down. I see the walls in uh, Carbondale tumbling down. I did not know what it meant at that time, but we saw. We're going to the city council meeting. They video him and they're public, and we are gonna take images of his injuries and say, we don't even care about charges, but can you tell the police to say out loud he has injuries? Cause this is disgusting. You're listening to Speaking of Crime with your hosts, Gia and John. Monica told us how surprised she was when she initially saw hundreds of people come down to Carbondale to support Praveen's family and what it was like the first time she met Lovely in person. I'm the people person. The more people, the merrier. The first time they came down to do like the public, you know, the little, we have these signatures and all this. I've never seen anything so organized and so well put together. Everybody had on red shirts. Everybody had a button with Praveen's. They brought their a hundred whatever chairs. There were, we always had a program. We always had many, many speakers. Everybody wants the mic, (laughs) but it was amazing. I mean, her community, along with what I was able to do to be the voice down here, it just worked. And we had no idea where we were going. We had no idea what we were doing, but we joined souls immediately and it was on like donkey kong like we just we weren't stopping we didn't know where we were going but we weren't gonna stop till we got there so i wasn't ready for 200 people to show up and it was very intimidating because they'd all been following the show and they knew knew me like i was this was the tiny blip of what it must feel like when you're like famous and 200 was my limit of not being able to get freaked out everybody's like hi 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 smiling thank you and i was like oh my god well who are any of these people and then we just saw each other and just were hugging 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 crying we were just locked up because we were already so so close but hadn't got to meet and we just there's a picture of it i don't think there's a video of it. there's a picture of us hugging and we just could not let go and we've been intertwined ever since and it's so funny because she was so quiet and soft-spoken and so oblivious to a lot of the world especially when it comes to college and when it comes to teenagers and when it comes to southern illinois and our slang and our ways 
she was, they impressed upon her in the beginning, your kid's dead, it's his fault, he was drunk and he's a dumbass. And then her community was like, well, I mean, the picture they posted on the flyer, he did have that earring on that one day and like his pants were sagging. I was like, wait a minute, hell no. Your community's being mean to your, like, I was shocked by how conservative and judgy, judgy. And then I had to be like, girl, your son could not have drank beer with me in high school. I would have drank his ass under the table. I drink, you know, I'm a decent human. She's like, this makes me feel so much better. Cause she goes, they took us in the party house. And I was like, why would he come in this place? I was like, it's fine. Like, that's just what it looks like. Typically all of your college experiences, your parents are never supposed to know about. That's for you and your family to talk about later on in life and your good friends. Usually your mom doesn't go check out the party house. I said, the worst thing ever happened to him that never should have. And then you had to go get your mind blown by things you should have never known about. But he wasn't anything like they're trying to make him out to be. Like he was not capable of partying with the big dogs, I promise. And there was empty beer cans stacked high. And I'm like, hell yeah. No, you know what I mean? I was like, that's what's up. But she, part of why I think we were able to be so success, successful is um, Molly Young's dad is a very intelligent, he's like an electrician, like a commercial electrician. So he's analytical, he's specific, he's rigid. There's things that he knows or has decided that he could not come off of. Lovely and I went where the river flowed. If we thought it was this and we found out it wasn't, we dropped it and we moved this way. We were just, a, we were such an awesome team and she could handle anything and roll with anything and deal with anything I threw at her. Cause I said, I'm gonna have to say to you and tell you things that I just don't even know how are gonna come out of my mouth, but I care enough about you to get you up to speed. In my mind, I thought this was gonna take a couple of weeks. <laughs> I didn't know it was gonna take years, but in my Southern Illinois white girl mind, I was like, she's from Chicago and she's of another ethnicity. They don't give a shit about her. They don't give a shit about the people here. I'm from here. I know almost everybody. It's a small town. I'll help her take care of this real quick. And I quickly found out and I was so shocked. My white hometown woman voice had 0% more merit to those men in charge than her out of town woman immigrant voice. And I was shocked because I thought, well, maybe it'll hold more weight that I'm these things and local. Oh no. Woman did it for us. They didn't care. I was so shocked and that made us so much more pissed off. They hated me more because I was hooking up with her and not for them. I have never in my life had to even try something like that, but I just assumed, oh, all the guys in charge look like my dad. My dad's cool, they'll be cool with me. No, woman was our biggest strike against us with these guys. No, I mean, I was so shocked to where I thought, wait a minute, this is gonna be a real pissing contest and I will get my bigger penis out and piss on these motherfuckers.
one of the radio here in you know when he interviewed uh, me when they are on break they were talking in between themselves and i heard them say you know one one is say you know like they were talking about my car and me and they're like this is what they do in small towns and they don't like it when a woman uh, question them and a minority and that woman is a minority and i that struck me you know and i'm like yeah that this was early on and i was like oh maybe that's one of the reasons you know who knows you know that's probably why i hear this a lot and that's probably why i want to talk to as many people as i can um especially because i'm from a minority background um you know women are suppressed so much if i can do this um i i i tell people don't be afraid to question the authority then they got some news they weren't expecting and some good news for once the police chief Jody O'Gwin was let go. We had some crazy news coming in this morning that in fact the Carbondale police chief Jody O'Gwin has been fired. It took me several minutes to grasp that and really believe, wow, you know, one of the things that we'd been hoping and praying for, one of the people that, you know, we all believed that hasn't done everything he should have or could have done in many cases, you know, especially Molly and Praveen you know and not to mention some other things that have gone on in his tenure we got this news today and you know my first my very first call was to lovely my second call was to larry and it kind of took us a while to absorb this and i have to start off with lovely because after you know we had our initial private conversation she pointed out to me that today is a milestone lovely tell me what you noticed today is oh thank you monica for having me um today was uh Six months that Praveen was found, February 18th. Um, he was found around 9.45, and you called me, I believe it was around 9.45, if I remember correctly, and I just couldn't believe. I called my husband, and I called Priya, and Priya is the one that told me, Mommy, did you realize this is exactly six months today? So, and I want to, I know, it's just, it's amazing. So I want to start off with you. What were your thoughts? What went through your head when I called you and gave you this news? When you told me that, um, the immediate thought that came to my head was, God is really good. God is good. And he is someone that he sees all our tears and hears our prayers, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people all around the world praying, people that don't even know us. So this is a big thing for us. And when we filed last week, uh, when we came down to Carbondale, Mr. Stegmeyer um, told me seven is a good day, you know, and seven... Um, February 7th was the last time that Praveen was home, and we filed on um, um, August 7th. So, you know, we feel like there is a good work of God through all these. You know, this this didn't happen to Praveen for nothing. There's something that is going to come good out of this. And it has to be something good for the community. And I am so thankful for all the messages that I'm getting from Carbondale. 
all the citizens, you have no idea all the messages that come to me. Um, through Facebook, and it's unbelievable. Jody O'Gwyn had been chief of the Carbondale Police Department since 2009, for almost five years at this point in time, but was dismissed from his employment by Carbondale City Manager Kevin Beatty. The Carbondale Police Department had been criticized for their handling of both Praveen's case and Molly Young's case. Earlier in the same month that Jody O'Gwyn was fired, Lovely had filed a lawsuit against the city of Carbondale for negligence, and willful negligence on the part of O'Gwyn. The suit was seeking more than $5 million. However, the city manager stated this, I want to stress that my decision to dismiss Chief O'Gwyn is a confidential matter and has nothing to do with the unsolved cases or recent litigation filed against the city and the chief. Any assumptions or allegations to this effect are completely unfounded. To which O'Gwyn responded by saying this, I totally and categorically deny that I engaged in any acts that did anything other than reflect my total loyalty to the city of Carbondale while I was serving as its chief of police. I further state that I engaged in no acts of unethical, unprofessional, or immoral behavior, and to the extent that Mr. Beatty's press release suggests otherwise, I deny the accusation. I was able to, um, you know, now the police chief and they all turned around you know like we will talk about it later on you know but they all turned around and he said the last memorial he said because of you you know they have a different perspective i i mean i only in the beginning i told the police chief i said the original police chief was gone but the guy who took over i said you probably think you did everything right but I can tell you 101 things where you went wrong. You know, just talk to me. Yeah, you know, but they, they all came around. It's, a, it's an unbelievable feeling. Monica decided that her and Lovely needed to go to the city council meeting and talk to the council members two years had now passed. They needed city leaders to see what really happened to Praveen and to hear their struggles to obtain justice. City council meetings are open to the public and they could easily attend. So Lovely returned to Carbondale once again. And so, you know, once again, we got to the end of a rope. We got to the end of the rope. We can only do so much public outcry, I think. When they fired Jody O'Gwen, the first, um, police chief they thought maybe we'd go away and I was like that's not good enough they're not admitting he had injuries we can't let his legacy be he was just drunk and ran off into the abyss and died because it's a college town we're all drunk every day and we're all drunk in the winter nobody's dead it doesn't and we're not beat to death Monica started to talk about it and then that's when we got I never saw Praveen's autopsy pictures but you know, Monica was just going off from what I said, but then at that time I brought the uh, the the thing to uh, the CD for Monica, and she saw the picture. She was like going completely crazy after she saw the pictures. So then she said, "People here need to see these pictures. Uh, you want to come to the city council meeting? We will go and we'll show them the pictures."
So at one point in time in 2016, one day I had a hair and I said, we're going to the city council meeting. They video him and they're public and we are going to take images of his injuries and say, we don't even care about charges, but can you tell the police to say out loud he has injuries? Because this is disgusting. And she came down on the train. So we went, we spoke unannounced. I spoke for 14 minutes and I told them, I said, I just want to know what happened. I need help. You know, you need to help me. And then Monica got on, showed all the pictures. She made a big eight by 10. They were crying. The council members were crying. One lady left the room. She couldn't take it. We went and made that big scene on the news. It looked amazing because somebody was getting an award for being a heroic firefighter. So every cop and every fireman was lined up around the wall. So it looks like we had a big standoff <laughs> and it was nothing like that. But they all were quiet. The mayor was quiet. The city council was quiet. I stood over them. They were all seated. And I stood up over the mayor with a microphone and read off the details to every injury and had an eight by 10 and passed them around. Like one lady cried, one guy got up. Afterward, every council member stopped, spoke to us, were so kind. The mayor, after we were done speaking, just goes. He was silent. He didn't say a word, not kiss off. I'm sorry, nothing. And then he booked it out of there. This is a short clip from the day Lovely and Monica spoke at the city council meeting. We have been left in the darkness with no answers for over two years now. We still don't know what happened to Praveen that night, when he died, how much pain was he in? Was he alone during his last time in this world? How scared was he? And a million more questions, and I have sleepless nights. His name has been dragged through so much, it is unimaginable. He was described as a drunk, drug dealer, and a thief by the officials here. We buried him with heavy hearts because of all the lies we were told and wondering if they were true. I have the burden of clearing my son's name along with holding a broken family together and grieve the loss of my only son. He's a loving son, a beloved brother, grandson, nephew, cousin, friend, and so much more to everyone who knew him. We sent him here to start a life, but instead his life ended here and our dreams shattered. He came here in hopes of becoming a police officer and work with FBI later on in his life, but instead left us a mystery only an FBI agent can solve. I'm very disappointed and frustrated at the way our son's case has been handled in this county. Hope our son's death will bring some changes to this Jackson County and the common practices here. My son left this world leaving a huge message in two simple words, fear God. He had tattooed that on his chest. It's a time to change and make a difference for our future generation. Now, I have my friend Monica Sukas here, and I have requested her to present some things to the council members, and she will explain what they are. There are many things I deal with, but there are some things that I still cannot take due to the sensitive and graphic nature, and everyone that has possession of them have warned me not to look at them. I want you all to see our reality. I'll just keep it quick. I do want to show you what she's asking that you look at. 
Would you give us your name for the record? My name is Monica Zukas. I'm a friend of Lovely. Um, I came to know Larry Young almost three years ago. I had a local radio show in Marion, and he came on one night, and we talked about his daughter's case. And since then, I've had an interest in Molly Young's case and kind of built up a following of many other people that do, too. That's what prompted me to kind of perk up my ears when I heard that there was an SIU student missing. I've followed it closely from the beginning, and Lovely and I have become... <laughs> Dear friends, I just want to read to you the quote from Jody O'Glenn, the former police chief, concerning Praveen Verghese the day they found him. This was just a few hours after they found him on February the 18th at 2 o'clock they gave a press conference. There were no, this is a quote from um, former police chief Jody O'Gwen. There were no obvious signs of trauma that would be caused by any kind of a suspicious means or any kind of altercation. So no outward signs that we were able to see. And since then, the state's attorney, the, the police, everybody involved from Jackson County has held to there were no, you know, there were no obvious injuries. That's not one of the reasons why we could, you know, go forward with charges. And you know that the family did commission a second autopsy after Lovely herself saw Praveen just hours after they found him, before the first autopsy. And as a nurse, she immediately recognized what she believed were injuries. When he was taken to the funeral home, as she said, in Chicago, Mark Rizzo, the owner of the funeral home they chose, a 30-year veteran of this profession, said, you've got to go see your kid. He's injured. So I just want to show you a few images of what we're being told here are not injuries. Without making any assumptions or allegations strictly from the facts. We were told as citizens, she was told as a mother, we were told as a community, as the world, because there are people all over the world paying attention to this. Your authorities said and still stand by, this boy did not have any injuries. There's no denying the injuries that you just saw and every one of them is visible to the naked eye. To give her peace, I urge all of you to do anything you can to make at least that part right. I don't care about judge and jury. I don't care about guilty verdicts. My son's sitting right there, and if this was my son, I don't know what I'd do if I was two years later fighting just to get authorities to admit these injuries are on him. It's wrong. I don't have the answers, but I know that we're not going to quit talking about this until everybody has seen these and knows that her son sustained major injuries. A week after that, we get a call from the city council manager wanting to meet. We went. They kicked Monica out of the meeting. It was just me and <clears throat> my husband. <clears throat> and the police came with a big 
pile. You know, they were getting these things out of the car. And I told Monica, I said, I think we are getting the reports. And she's like, oh, no, they are not going to. And I said, I think we are. But we did. Unredacted reports. That got us a private meeting, though, several weeks later. And three weeks before we had that private meeting, my son said, because I'd always have like intuitive things. And then my son started doing it. Freaked me out. He goes, Mama, he was nine at the time. He's 19 now. He said, I had, I keep having a feeling on my birthday, something good's going to happen for Praveen. I said, oh, honey, that's cute. On his birthday, May 27th of 2016, on his birthday, Lovely and them drove down. We had a private meeting. They kicked me out immediately. They're like, she's out. And I was like, there's five of you men here. And like Lovely and her husband and Shaji uncle. Like, I really, am I that intimidating to you guys? I'll get out because they were getting binders and binders and boxes. And Lovely goes, we're getting records. We knew it was a record. So because they were giving us the records, I let them be mean for a minute. And so they had the meeting with her. And when I went back in, Lovely rarely cries. Like, I know she cried at the funeral, the visitation, but otherwise she doesn't really break down. And I could tell she'd been crying. And I go, what's going on? And so the mayor was already mad at me for standing over him. And I said, what's wrong? And she goes, they said they're going to stick with the first autopsy. And I go, are you serious? And the mayor got loud with me and he goes, we already went over. And I said, don't you fucking yell at me. I turned in like an animal. And he goes, and I said, don't fucking yell at me. Don't You're not going to disrespect me. I said, did you see the images from the scene where they found Ravine? Did you see him? Did you see him? And he just sat there. And I looked at the police chief, who was Jeff Grubbs, after they fired the first one. I said, did you go to the scene? Did you? Did you see him? Did Did you guys see him? And like, that, I know they couldn't say anything because it's like attorney. It's told them not to. But one of them was like, and I said, don't tell me you're going to stick with the first autopsy. You guys are fucking disgracing yourself at this point. Like I lost it. And, and the mayor shut his mouth. And then I, we never told anybody about that, which I wanted to, but that wasn't real, well, relevant at the time. And we, we always agreed we'd go with Lovely's plan because <laughs> mine was let's go waterboard this motherfucker until he tells us the truth, which we didn't get to do that. I promised to stay respectful. Um, but two years later, it came out. The police were called to the mayor's house because he has beaten his wife's ass. So it, everything always came back around. These reports were the fuel that Lovely and Monica needed to prove everything they had already suspected happened. The reports proved them right time and time again. Lovely's friends in the Indian community had formed what they called the Praveen Action Council, with the goal of helping Lovely in any way that she needed, and to get justice for Praveen. Our community got together two days after they formed a, an action council. They were into this, because you know, we were like a middle class Indian family. Our kids were in everything. They were a constant presence. So they were they were like, what if it happens to us? So everyone wanted to know why this happened. So three days after Praveen's funeral, the community got together. They brought in the political leaders. <clears throat> uh, Congressman Raja Krishnamurti was here. Um, the um, Lieutenant Governor Sheila Simon was here. 
few other state representatives from the governor's office. The church was packed. People were angry. They needed answers. So they formed this action council and there was that they formed many committees like, you know, how to proceed with this. They wanted to raise money. They wanted to collect signatures. They wanted to help us in every way. So they, they were my backbone. This is what Lovely had to say about the community of people helping her when she spoke at Praveen's memorial one year after his death. There are many things that happened following Praveen's passing. The community got together and formed Praveen Action Council. Under the leadership of Mrs. Mariama Pillai and Mr. Gladson Varghese, a committee is working tirelessly to help us. I cannot mention all the names since there are so many, but please know that our family will be forever be grateful to each one of you. I have to mention a few names. Mrs. Mariama Pillai, who is not here today. She's more like our mother and is so concerned and has been the greatest supporter. Mr. Gladson Varghese, who has taken us to meet many officials like Mrs. Shakoski, Mr. Danny Davis, Mr. Dick Durbin, Mrs. Sheila Simon, Attorney General Lisa Madigan, former Governor Pat Quinn, and many others. Even with this busy schedule, he makes himself available to help us and has been so supportive and keeps the committee active. I have to mention Jimmy Vachachira and Tom Abraham, two young attorneys from our community. They came to the first meeting and never left us. Since our lawyer, Mr. Stegmeyer, is in Carbondale, these two volunteered their time for legal things in Chicago. Jimmy comes with us for all the meetings that we need legal consult and is so concerned about us. Now you know, every boy that I look, they look like Praveen. And I always tell Jimmy, you look like Praveen and acts like Praveen. <laughs> These two grew up in the community and is giving back to the community and should be role models for the younger generation. After Michael Carr released that 10-page report that we talked about in the last episode, where he defended the murderer's actions and denied any crime even taking place, Praveen Action Council members and the general public were not having it. They were outraged. We did not know where to go again. We went on the um, Facebook page again. You know, Monica was blasting. She would have me. We were going at it. The public went crazy. They were calling for action, special prosecutor and all that. A week after he did this, he recused from the case and he asked the judge to appoint a special prosecutor. So then it goes to the Illinois Appellate Court. And another year went by without any answers. And that's when, you know, we asked for police reports FOIA, 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 and Michael Carr um, denies it. And he would say, and then we, I appealed to the Attorney General's office when he re refused it. And then Attorney General's office asked him for explanation and he would say, oh, the family filed lawsuits against government entities uh, uh, hoping to collect money because we had a fi lawsuit filed for the uh, city of Carbondale and the police chief. 
a week after we filed the lawsuit, the police chief was fired, you know, so um, they thought that would shut us up. So when Michael Carr started to say that we were hoping for money, we dropped the lawsuit. I said, okay, here you go. I'm dropping the lawsuit. Give me the records. You know, even then it was incoming. We got a, a package one time full of newspaper articles from the day Praveen went missing, all the newspaper articles. I'm like, what is this? So then we didn't know where to go. I called the Illinois Appellate uh, Court's office. His name is Delfino, the director. And every time I call him, he's like, oh, we are 95% done, 97% done. And one time he said, we are 99.9% done. And I said, my God, how long will it take for you to finish that 0.1%, you know? In March of 2015, Michael Carr finally released a press release saying that he would be stepping aside and asked for a special prosecutor to be assigned to the case. All of Lovely's struggles and efforts were slowly beginning to pay off. With the police chief gone and Michael Carr stepping aside, maybe things could start to change for the better. Monica used to say in the beginning, I see the walls crumbling down, tumbling down. I see the walls in uh, Carbondale tumbling down. I did not know what it meant at that time, but we saw. The chief was gone, the uh, Michael Carr, who did so much damage to the community. He was such a... Um, a guy that you don't, you, you can't even express how he is, he's gone. So I, I told one of the reporters, you know, my brown boy had to be here to make changes. There was no reason for him to be there. He could have done criminal justice here in some community college, but he decided to go there. You know, he was chosen for this. And then one day, Lovely received a call. It was from a man she had never spoken to before. His name was David Robinson. He was the special prosecutor assigned to Praveen's case. Then I get a call from Mr. Delfino from the Appellate Court's office in July of 2016. So that's a year and few months after they got the case. And he said, um, we are ready to talk to you. Um, the, the attorney who is working on, the prosecutor who is working on this case will call you in a couple of weeks. Um, and he said his name is David Robinson. That was a new name to me. Until then, I, I was under the impression it was Ed Parkinson. That was the person who um, did Molly Young's case also. So I did not have any hopes because, you know, they did so wrong for Molly Young. And I, I thought it was the same person. So when he said David Robinson, I did not know who this person was. And he said, he'll contact you in a couple of weeks. I said, OK. I was in a meeting at work. I went back to the meeting, I sat down, my phone rings again, and it was David Robinson. He called me and, you know, he offered his condolences. Something in his voice, I told Monica right after I talked to him, I said, this man is an honest man. He's, he is, I can feel he's good. So he said, "He, we are ready to talk to you. And, uh, um, he asked us whether he we can 
come the next Monday there. I said, fine. And then he he told me, if you want to bring your friend Monica along, it's okay. <laughs> so we went. And him and David Neal, his partner, we met, we met them at the courthouse, Carbondale courthouse, where I met Michael Carr in his office. We, I mean, it was the same building. They came up with wide smile. They greeted us, took us in five hours nonstop. We sat and talked. He, he was like, he listened to us. Next week, you will hear how differently things began to be handled once David Robinson took over and how vindicated Lovely and Monica were when they had someone in a position of authority listening to them and verifying what they already suspected had happened to Praveen that night. If you're interested in this story and you'd like to know more about the case, you can check out our social media pages. We will be sharing the full video of Lovely and Monica speaking at the city council meetings, as well as photos and documents from the case. We are at Speaking of Crime on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and at Crime Speaking on Twitter. Please help us share Praveen's story.